We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, before I tell everybody when we're when we're coming out at you, coming at you, uh, I will say hello to my friend and co-host Jeremy Cohen, who shares with me that we've had a busy day of watching football. Jeremy, I watched more football today than I think I have in years, and you know what? It felt pretty damn good. I'll say that. How, how was your day? My day was great. Football is fun to watch. You know, as it much is. enjoyment as it would be for my team to be there, there's something about a lower stress situation where I can just enjoy great football without the win or loss of my team. With that said, I would very much like to see the Giants excel in the playoffs. So uh, it'd be great if they could get back there. I'm sure you might feel similarly with your Steelers, but yeah. it's a good day. And she's definitely coming back from Tokyo. There's no doubt in my mind that she will be at the Super Bowl. I, my wife and I were talking about this in the car. And I we were she was like, oh yeah, she could make it back. And uh, I'm like, what we're this is what we're talking about. This is the conversation that my wife and I are having about Taylor Swift. Um, we do not need to talk about Taylor Swift on this podcast, although I will say, and with a with, with sincerest apologies to Sean with the W, even though I'm uh, the most fair weather of Steelers fans at this point, it made me very happy the Ravens lost that game today. <laughs> so I'll I'll just say that. But is she coming back, John? Is she flying she back for the for the game? She, I mean, I think she has to. I agree. Okay. I think she has to. Um, today gave me at least, I don't know if you feel the same way. Um, today gave me some uh, much needed perspective. And uh, I said, well, I would save when we're coming at you. We're coming at you uh, at 1046 PM on uh, Sunday night. We waited uh, as long as possible to record this episode because um, in part, we were waiting for news on Julius Randle. Um, Julius Randle, who, for anybody who may have, I don't know, been in a log cabin over the weekend and didn't have any reception on any device, um, took a hard fall uh, at, at, towards the end of the Miami Heat game on Saturday night. We learned a few hours after the game that he had suffered a um, dislocated shoulder. 
from a very oddly worded Woj tweet uh, in regards to the MRI and that, or in regards to the X-ray, and that he'd be getting an MRI, and that we would then at some point learn the results of that MRI. Well, it's been over 24 hours later and we have still not learned the results of that MRI. And I don't think we're going to be hearing anything before this episode drops for people um, in short order. So that is where things stand as of right now. We're going to get back to Randall in a second, but I, I was watching both games, the Ravens and Chiefs game and thinking to myself, my God, if you're a, a Ravens fan, there's like what is your better opportunity to go to the Super Bowl than this? Because it's not like Patrick Mahomes is getting any younger. It's like this was probably the weakest Chiefs offense that you're gonna see for a while. And like granted, the defense were good. Like, and the heartbreak that Ravens fans must be experiencing. Maybe we should have had Sean with a W on to talk about that. And then to go from that to the Lions game, where it's like, okay, up 24-7 at halftime. Only franchise that's been around the whole Super Bowl era hasn't made Super Bowl. And they see it just wither away. And it, it gave me some perspective as like there are levels of, you know, despondence and and uh self-loathing as a as a sports fan and pity, if we're being honest. Uh and like Julius Randle going down with this injury, which again, as a, the recording right now, we don't even know the severity of. We could hear an announcement tomorrow that says he's going to be back in in three weeks or four weeks or whatever it is. But like as I was as I was stewing over the fact that my God, I can't remember the last time I got to root for a Nick team that had been playing this well and that looked this complete and that actually gave you the feeling of holy shit. There, this is real. This is real in every sense of the word real. And then this thing happens right as like we have reached the the the, the pinnacle of of this current iteration of the team. And I was like just really feeling pretty down on myself, and also feeling. And we'll get back to this in a minute because it's a different conversation. I was feeling incredibly bad for Julius, but that's a separate issue. Um, yeah. So like football, I needed football today. I guess is the long long winded way of saying it. The way that I see this Julius injury, as frustrating and as upsetting as it is, is kind of in line with how I typically live my life, which is I can only control what's in my control. And as of this moment, we can't control anything about his health or getting the news of it or the games that the Knicks will or won't win over time. And I'm at ease because I know that this season, as exciting as it is and will continue to be, it's never been about this season in the same way it wasn't about last season or the year before. It's not like the front office doesn't care. They obviously are adding or making winning moves. It's evident in terms of how well this team has done just in the year of 2024. And also, if we want to go back further, we could. But in terms of the grand scheme of things, I mean, what really has changed? You certainly hope that his shooting ability is not gravely impacted that he's healthy enough and not you of course the, the general yeah. you but he'll recover yeah. he will he will it's just how do we get to the point where it's all right this is the Knicks now are missing one of their best players and this is a prime opportunity for us to see what a lot of folks have kind of quote unquote dreamed of which is what does this Knicks team look like without Julius Randle and I I believe that this team is better with Julius, especially because he's a focal point in the offense and you very much need the attention he 
desires and the double teaming and all of that to make Jalen Brunson's life a lot easier. So I think there will be, there will be a missing factor for sure, but I just can't stress out about it until I know what I'm dealing with until then. It's just, we're waiting. We're all in the same boat and we'll find out soon enough. So your logical approach, which I, I'd like to think I also take the same approach. I think we were definitely in lockstep. Maybe, maybe me being a little, little too much towards the, the emotionless side after the trade. Um, something about this hit me different and I don't, I, and I can't explain why it is. I really do think it is, it has to do with, with just Randall, the, the person and, People are going to be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You were like completely dismissive of RJ, and RJ Barrett was here for just as, as long as Julius Randle was. I've I've taken a journey with Julius, as anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while well knows. Like I've been as hard. There was a time where I was harder on him than anyone, and then I had to kind of reconcile that when he came back and had an All NBA campaign, his second in three years, and now it's been this season. And I just like. Is he perfect? No, he is the he is the definition of imperfect in, when you're talking about stars of the modern game. But he is a star, and they he has meant so much to this franchise in terms of what they've been able to accomplish. And I think that that that's a two way street because the success of the franchise and what the Knicks have become over the recent years, I think that means so much to him. And to see to see them be at this point, well, I agree with you. I. I, I too did did not fool myself into thinking we were going to win any championships this year. It did seem like there was a, there was a certain culmination happening over the last like, I mean, look, maybe it was just the Nuggets had a shitty game because it was the end of a road trip and like this Heat team sucks and we make them out to be more than they are because they're the Heat and we're the Knicks and the whole thing. Maybe we're not nearly as good as a lot of people have been saying they think we are in recent days. Still, there was there's this nagging part of me like, man, of all the times, right, for this guy who's worked so hard to get to this point to to go down, it, it sucks that it has to happen now. That's and then we, the, the, after that, we'll, we'll move on to like the the logical questions that need to be asked. But that's I wanted to explain away why I was feeling the way I was feeling. That's all. I get it. I get it completely. And they're gelling. They're firing all cylinders. This they is are. the time where they're doing so well. What do you mean that he's not going to be part of this? How long is he not going to be on the team? Uh, and healthy, at least all of that. It doesn't feel like the worst time for me because there's a trade deadline that's a couple weeks away where the Knicks can reassess. If anything, it'd be worse if Julius got hurt February 8th, the game after that, any time after where it's like, well, the only options we have are internal and we have to hope for the best there. That's where I would be really much more despondent about it. If it happened during the playoffs or like last season when he was hurt conveniently enough against the Miami Heat. And then like what happened there then comes back for a playoff series where he gets hurt again in that final Cavs game and has to limp around for a lot of the heat series there too. Yes. So I'm with you in that as an individual and as a person, I really do root for Julius. I've grown quite a fondness for him as a player, especially over the last couple of years because of kind of the counter approach that a lot of fans had. The visceral reaction made me made him more, um, he made him easier to root for in my eyes. Me so too. for all of that to come to this point, you yes, you want to see him be part of the festivities and everyone takes off and all of that. And uh, that can still be the case. But there's room for moving around and 
reassessing whether it's internal options, keeping players that you may have considered moving. Uh, maybe you don't want to move Quentin Grimes right now because, hey, Quentin, there there could be an opening in minutes. Maybe it's finding another solution at the four instead of scaling up. But there's Josh Hart there, so maybe Tibbs gives him those minutes. I'm fascinated to see how it'll go about. But there are ways out where it doesn't feel like it's hopeless. It just stings, but we'll learn the severity of the burn very soon. I once again hope. So, Before we go through some specific questions and then we'll do week in review and we'll, we'll give out a game ball. Um, I And we, we're also going to tout the Knicks in this episode because like this news sucks, even though we don't know what the actual news is yet. But like the Knicks are doing some amazing things right now. We're going to honor that and we're going to go through it. Um, I, I before we get to to specific questions, though, I'm curious in terms of the if it's a three to four or five or even six week injury, I don't think it changed anything uh, changes anything about the expectations for the season. Is that fair to say? Correct. Okay. If it's not that. And if it is worst case scenario and and for anybody who doesn't know, like the specifics of it, there's definitely a possibility if there was like a certain extent of like a labrum tear. And I'm not going to try to pretend like I know what the hell I'm talking about with this stuff. But there exists without the news right now, the possibility that he can miss the rest of the year. I think best case scenario, he's out maybe three to four weeks. That's where we're at right now. We don't know anything else. Um, is there a world where this, if it is the worst case scenario, it kind of makes the rest of the season like gravy. And I, and it's like, well, gravy to who? The fans, to the front office, to James Dolan? Like, those are important questions too, but that's one of the things I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that's entered into your mind at all. It's less about expectation and it's more about hope for me. Because How my so? expectations... Yeah, so my expectations are that this team is somewhere around what it was last year, give or take, depending on their opponent, their seeding. Like if you told me sure. this team could go to the Eastern Conference Finals, I would feel like that's not outrageous, right? Like I, I'm not saying I think that they should be a favorite over making it compared to Boston or Milwaukee, but uh, I would feel pretty confident. In fact, the way it was working was they kept winning games and I kept buying into it. And that's still going to be the case. But, you know, it's not... You talked about the Nuggets at the end of a long road trip. You don't demolish a team by 38. And it's like, well, they're just at the end of a, of a long trip. Like, no, they, they got obliterated. The Knicks, the Knicks blitzed them. And so for when you see that and you see how fun that is and you beat a Miami Heat team and like you're really beating them after everything that happened in the playoffs. That's the team that sent you home. You just faced the back-to-back, the two finalists in the NBA last season. You had a really strong comeback win against the Nets. You're probably your best fourth quarter yet. It, it was a week of building on your last win, but in impressive fashion. So it, it got me before the Julius injury. I was thinking, man, this team actually is starting to make me yes. believe in a way that I felt long-term, but less in the short-term. So my expectations didn't change, though. It's still, I think they're going to top out around second round, assuming they can beat the team that they face in the first round. And you know that could be trickier if they're fourth or fifth, but not impossible. And so 
it's not like anything's changed there, but my hopes, what I think could go forth. Obviously, every year I hope the Knicks win the championship, but there yeah. are years where I'm going to be like, well, let's be realistic about this. And this was a year where it was almost a sliding scale for me of, I think instead of a 1% chance that this happens or even less than 1%, you could humor me and say, yeah, 2% doesn't sound outrageous. 3%, maybe. Just getting to even that point feels great to me. But it doesn't mean, well, the Knicks, if they don't reach this point in the conference finals or the finals itself, or even win the whole thing, that it's a disappointment. They're still around where I... I think they're still going to finish around where I expect them to. And at that point, yes, if they do better, it's gravy. Sure. Yeah, no, I I think that's all fair. I, I guess I'm more looking at it from the perspective of like, if... Like, there's a world where with a healthy Julius, the Knicks would be favored in regard regardless of who their opponent was in the first round. Unless, I mean, I guess unless they fell to sixth, um, then they would. They would be, but otherwise, I think there's a world where they would potentially be favored against the Cavs, the Pacers, the Heat, like whoever they might face. Whereas if they don't have him, and again, we're looking way ahead, but like the 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 notion of like. I could see the the headlines like if the Cavs like lost to the Knicks again and it was like, oh my God, you lost to the team and they didn't even have Julius Randle. Like how that would feel for Cleveland and how they would react to that. Um, you know, so I guess that's and the, the 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 this is a roundabout way of of kind of thinking what is the thought process for the team right now? Because if there is a decision to make, and again, the fact that we still haven't gotten an update leads me to believe that there is some there was some consideration going on to something because it was not. You would think that if it was an automatic, like, oh, we're definitely going to be able to rehab this, let's go for that, or oh, this is definitely surgery required. Like, you would have thought we would have heard about it by now. I, that being said, the Knicks are funny when it comes to revealing its information, so maybe that's not the case. Um, I guess I'm just wondering, like, if I'm if I was like Leon Rose, like how like is, is there a part of me that is like, you know what, get the surgery get right, get healed, get 100%. We're going to be back next year and we're going to give it a full run at this thing next season when we are like, and whatever that entails. And we, we don't have to go into like what could happen between now and the beginning of next season. But I don't know. It, that's, I, I just, I'm, I'm wondering, is, is there a part of this that maybe it opens the opportunity for like, look, as you said, Jeremy, opportunity to learn more about the team, opportunity for other guys to step up, take on bigger roles, grow as players, all that great stuff. But, you know, or, or maybe this is just me trying to find a silver lining for something that has not. I, I don't know. I think it's more the silver lining portion. All I'll say is I don't have the medical experience, understanding of PR or rational thinking for how the Knicks operate as a franchise combined to know anything that's going on. I mean, so like... Like all of us, we're just in wait yeah. and see and and react when we get it mode. So I, but, but the thing is this, the difference. And I, I know this because we've worked together long enough where I know where your mind goes. I know typically when something gets a little bit more negative, you kind of ouch that in before. Right. And like, that's, that's where your mind says you're almost preparing yourself for a worst case scenario. Oh, because if it's better than that, you fully. feel like heaven. So I, I'm telling you, I, like you can feel that way as much as you'd like. I don't, I can't operate that way because I, I just don't want to go down that path. I just okay. don't know. Okay. But I'm not stopping you. From, I respect that. From no, that I, I respect the hell out of that. And I, I wish, I wish I could do that. Um, 
let's talk a little. Actually, no. Let's get the easy two two more things, then we'll move on. Um, because otherwise we're just, we're just going to talk about Julius the whole time, and we we don't know any information, so we're all wasting our time. Um, he's going to be out for some period of time. Do you have you thought about lineup changes or in terms of like who's going to who you would prefer to step in for him in the starting five, or who you think will step in for him in the starting five, and like maybe if anybody theoretically someone else would get a chance to step into the rotation as well. Um, have you thought about that at all? No, <laughs> just gonna be honest. I haven't, I haven't put a lot of thought. It's been a busy weekend and uh, <laughs> no, I love you because we don't know yet. I have no clue. I we don't know yet. Just thinking it through. I would imagine that Tibbs puts Josh Hart in the starting that is, lineup. That's my, that's guess. my best guess. That's but my guess. Uh, I mean, if he's the de facto sixth man in Tibbs's eyes, then that it makes, it's a seamless transition probably for him to do that. And I think it, shifting OG up, it's really just a question again of, how eager are the Knicks going to be to find a replacement at the four that's not internal? Because maybe they just go in the route of we're still sticking with finding a lead ball handler or some guard, be it Brogdon, Brown, you name it. And then they just say, all right, well, we believe that Josh Hart could be a four in the same way we believed it at the beginning of the season when we didn't have a quote-unquote backup four. And we have OG Ananobi compared to at the beginning of the season when we had RJ Barrett. OG Ananobi is is larger as a human than than RJ, so he's able to get some burn there. And you could think, all right, well, what happens if they don't get help and they run these guys ragged and they get hurt? And it's all it's well, like, well, sure, but also get hurt in the first play of a game, and it's not from overuse; it's just happening. Like they're stretched thin. The Knicks are very unlucky this year with injury. Last year, they were incredibly fortunate. They were. I mean, think about how many games Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle played. R.J. Barrett, except for a freak injury, played a lot. Isaiah Hartenstein played all 82. Manuel quickly saw a ton of time. I mean, just injuries that they were very lucky. And this year, they're not nearly as lucky, which is just kind of the way that it simply works. It's the the, the injury factor that comes in with sports. So, so I'd stay internal and just put Josh Hart in his place. I would assume it's Josh Hart, although, and I think this reflected itself when he always tried to leave quickly on the bench unless Brunson was out last year. Actually, there was one exception to that. I think that they quickly started one game alongside Brunson. I forget who was out. Um, but I, I do think that Tibbs likes having a quote unquote spark plug to come off the bench. And like Josh, that's Josh Hart. Now, Grimes in the starting five is leaves them a little small. He has Tibbs does not like to go that small um, with again, Brunson with two like guard sized guards. But we'll see. My guess is it would be hard. And I actually, I'm going to say this right now. I think Sims gets a chance to get rotation minutes. I, I, I'm going to put that out there right now. I think. I, I, I know nothing when I say that, but I that would be my just sneaking suspicion. Um, Maybe, uh, just real quick, the irony though with Grimes starting or Grimes and Hart is that they're around the same size. So if high, if size is a concern, with height, Grimes, yes. like, height, I, yes, they do different yeah. things. Don't get, I mean the they verticality is certainly different. Yeah. There, I hear you on the Sims factor. I think that if Sims is playing, Sims will see time at the five, and they might get a Chua to try to be more of a four. It's uh, there's a lot of ways they could go here. They like. Given this, they have some, they have some flexibility where they could yes. where they could go. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You mentioned the danger of running these guys into the ground. There's only one guy that I'm worried about, and that's Jalen Brunson, because he is the other usage monster on this team. And they just lost, I think it's a, I forget, it's 27.8 or 28.7. I lo- I've looked it up earlier today. That's Julius Randle's usage rate. It's, one, it's the 21st highest usage rate in the league among um, you know guys who have actually played real minutes. Um, that's a lot. That That's a lot of usage. And we know how they run their offense. It's draw two to the ball and then go from there. And like, there's two guys to draw two to the ball. It's Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. I should have looked up Julius's usage rate since the trade. Cause I, I know that it has gone up. So really it's probably closer to 30. I, this is the last discussion I want to have with you on this thing. And then we'll move on. I think there, in regards to possible acquisitions and possible trades, I think there's a, there's a two pronged discussion and it's related. There is the discussion which is less interesting to me about like how much this changes their approach in terms of being like more aggressive or potentially like less aggressive. If they think like, for instance, let's, if Julius is out for the year, do they look at it and like, well, that really kind of puts the kibosh on our chances this year. We're, we're really, we don't want, we want to keep our, that's more of an excuse to keep our, our powder dry, so to speak, or they could go the other way. Um, that's one part of it. And the other part of it is the, and thank you, uh, GMAC just put in the chat. Julius's usage since the trade is indeed uh, 30.0. So the other part of it is positionally. And you mentioned it. Like, do you go out and get another forward? Or, and this relates to what I was getting at with Brunson, is it just a matter of getting someone else in the rotation that can sop up the, the usage regardless of position? Now, inherent in that conversation is, well, in order to make a dent in the usage, they have to be able to play a certain number of minutes. And we know Thibodeau has issues with playing a bunch of small guards together. So like that there's, there may be an impediment there, but are they forced to compromise on that? Now there's a lot of things in this conversation. I'm, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm just going to kind of ask you open-ended like, <laughs> let's say he's, he's let's split the baby. Let's say they think he's probably out for the rest of the regular season. And let's just say for shits and giggles, they think there's a possibility he comes back for the playoffs. How what do you think what do you think their mindset would be at, at that point? That he can come back from the for the playoffs? Yeah, let's just say they think there's a possibility that he would come back that he could come back from the playoffs. That he doesn't get surgery. That's what we find out tomorrow. Julius Randle is not getting surgery for the time being. He's going to try to rehab this. 
we'll find out more in six weeks, something like that. I think it's going to stay the same throughout. Just find a backcourt player and everyone that's here is going to step up because that's just what they need to do. That's what's required of them. They're not going to do something that jeopardizes long-term plans. And it might seem silly of like how one stray second round pick won't impact that. So like get this player. Okay. Well, let's say you get that player. Are they good? Is like, at what point is just having a live body out there that you don't trust better than not? I would argue pretty much every time it wouldn't be worth it. Like oftentimes what might happen is the Knicks could trade players, right? Or or it could be any team. And it's like, oh, well, the Knicks or this team could find this player on the buyout market, right? Like they could just add some guys who are backup centers, backup fours, whatever it might be. And my response to that is usually if it were that easy, then wouldn't every team that kind of has that problem no longer have that problem in the sense of you can find players that are good, but maybe they're discarded for a reason. And if they are, do they fit with what your team is doing? It's maybe not enough to just throw someone out there to get empty calories of minutes. And it's just an example. You're talking about usage rate. So when I look at the, uh, when I look at players who have appeared in like at least 20 games this year that are forwards and they have a usage rate of at least 20 and their offense, let's, let's also just for whatever it's worth. Um, have it be where they're like, you know, let's even forget the offense, right? We could, we could forget the offense for a moment. I just want to read off players and we can go through this pretty quickly of uh, people that you can bring in, in Julius's place in some degree. Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, PG, Markkinen, Katie, Tatum, Brown, Jalen Williams, Middleton, Desmond Bain, Jimmy Butler, Franz Wagner, uh, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Carl Anthony Towns, Brandon Ingram, Devin Vassell, Zion Williamson, Mikal Bridges. I've just named 20 players, right? Mm-hmm. Any of them seem realistic at all? Uh, unless I miss someone, no. Okay. Keep going. Paolo Boncaro, Clay Thompson, Jonathan Kaminga, DeMar DeRozan, RJ Barrett, Miles Bridges, Jeremy Grant, Kyle Kuzma, Boyan Bogdanovich, Keldon Johnson. I'll stop there. Those are another 10. Some of those seem realistic. But which? Like DeRozan doesn't seem realistic to me because DeRozan would mean that you're using the Fournier salary and additional salary to get a player, a wing who um, you're saying could come I, back. If Julius come back to the, yeah. the playoffs, like how does that I, work? It doesn't I, have the backcourt issue. I talked through the DeRozan thing on the post game after the heat game. And I, I kind of arrived at the same conclusion. Like it's, it's interesting to think about in theory, but it kind of breaks down at the end of the day. The one name that you said um, that I find somewhat interesting is Bogdanovich on Detroit. Um, I, team option for next year, or not? Maybe not team. Sorry, it's like uh, two million dollars guaranteed. Yeah, it's 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 mostly not guaranteed. Um, but you know, he's he's really good, and he's the sort of player where. I don't know. We don't have to go into too much, but I'll just, I'll say that I, he, he's an interesting name to me. Not to me, to be honest. Okay. Why not? I, because I don't think the Knicks have done anything to suggest that they would be comfortable with a player over the age of 29 years old, let alone one who's 34. I get it. There's, That's fair. there's interest That's in fair. Clarkson. There's interest in Brogdon. 
fine. The last time the Knicks had a player who was in the rotation, a healthy rotation that was younger than, I'm sorry, older than the age of 29 was December 3rd, 2022, which as you know, was that Mavericks game and Evan Fournier was pulled. The Knicks have focused on a younger movement. I don't think that Bogdanovich, again, even with the salaries, like, okay, you get him in here. Who, who are you getting to address the, the backup point guard position? Because as good as Deuce might be playing, he's not going to be orchestrating the offense in the way that, you know, Brogdon might or Sexton or Clarkson, whoever it might be. Um, all of that. Okay. Just going to continue with a few more. Cam Whitmore, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jordan Wara, Marvin Bagley III, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Wiggins, Lucas Shamich. Of those names, the only one that registers would be Cam Whitmore. I would imagine involves moving Grimes. Probably has to, unless the Knicks take Whitmore into the trade player exception. But I don't quite see Houston going in that direction. Uh, if they did, I'd, I'd be fine with it. I like Whitmore quite a bit. I think there, he does make sense with the Knicks like. But I don't... I just don't necessarily see it, but I could be certainly wrong. I, this is my wonder right there. Cause like you, you kind of nailed it with bogey. And I think that's a great test case. Bogdanovich is absolutely in no uncertain terms, not the sort of player that this regime has shown themselves to be wanting to go after. He's an older player. He isn't, he does not fit. Like I, I get mad when people like cling to the, the timeline uh, of the team, like, you know, grandmother's pearls, but like he's old, he's 33 years old. He's going to be 34. But like, I think pretty soon or by the, by certainly he's by the 34 now. Season. No, he's, oh, he's 34 th- years old. All right. Nine months and 10 days as of this very moment. There you go. Even worse. So he's going to be 35, 35. He is old. He's old. And I could say that because I'm old. Um, he is old. And I can say that because I'm not. There you go. Uh, but like, so that's the question. Like, do they, is there a world where the price point, it, it, it would have to do with the price point, right? And the impetus to be successful this season where they compromise their values to some extent and they feel like, Hey, it's worth it. But even then, you know, and I, I know you would agree with this. I like, let's just say for argument's sake, this team did that. I don't think they would do it unless they had, there was some possibility of moving it forward, you know, unless they thought that there was some possibility like, all right, worse, like, Worst case scenario, he's a salary for us to use in a trade this summer, you know, because um, that's what he, he could be. He's, he's on a, a perfectly fine contract next year. That's an expiring contract again if, with a small guarantee. So that's kind of what I'm wondering. And does it does does the list of targets get a little little bigger from just backcourt initiator? And look, hey. No one's saying they're only limited to one more trade. Like for all we know, they could be making multiple trades, which, you know, deadline. like crazier things have happened. So I don't know. I, it's a lot of questions right now for me. And I, we don't know anything. There hasn't been any reporting on anything because reporters don't even know the injury, but that's kind of where my mind is at. That's all. That's fair. And I, the other thing too, with Bogdanovich is the Knicks have gone out of their way to find with the exception of Jalen Brunson players who are stout defenders, right? Like, 2022 offseason, Isaiah Hartenstein. He is number one in defensive EPM. Uh, they 
removed RJ Barrett, who had a lower defensive EPM. Obviously, it cost Emmanuel quickly, who is typically a higher DEPM player, but they got yeah, OJ Ananobi, who, who I think is at this point 97th percentile now. Who is He's up like almost 20 yeah. percentiles. So there's a clear motive there. And I get it. It's their team context and everything involved with analyzing defense. Bogdanovich's offense, offensive DPM, 83rd percentile. That's great. Don't get me wrong. His defensive one is fifth. And I think when you're looking at Tibbs and you're looking at important moments and stretch runs and health, and you're more likely to be healthy when you're younger than you are when you're older. Sure. It's just yeah. like we're creating, not we, of course, but there's a kind of a creation of like, oh, this guy could work. It's like, well, you're also losing a lot on that end. Like, yes, the Bogdanovich contract, you could argue from a team option or a non-guaranteed standpoint. Great. It's also a few million dollars short to my liking because it would have helped with stacking salaries. So you probably have to add another small salary in there. Where's that coming from? How are you getting it? Are you giving up too much? Is it easier to get someone who's just making more money next year like Brogdon, like Brown? A lot of things to consider. So I just... It doesn't feel like it's the right fit. None of these feel like the right fit. And maybe it's simply because they aren't. Because what the Knicks have in-house and sticking to the plan that they had might just be the best course. And the last thing I'll say, someone like Bruce Brown, not a point guard in the same way that I would see Brogdon, Clarkson, Sexton, any of these guys. But if you were to look at a player like Brown and Randall's out for an extended period of time, he feels that Josh Hart-esque type of player who's like, mm-hmm. he's going to give you more in, like he's not a power forward or anything of the sort. But the way he plays might be, it might allow you to kind of do I, some weird funky lineups that, I gotta, that you're a little bit short, but you still get that same emphasis that the Knicks clearly liked from him when they wanted to sign him in the offseason. I don't know. I, that's, I think you nailed it. No, I, I think you nailed it. I, I think you nailed it. That they were already, the reporting would seem to suggest that they were already going pretty hard up that tree. Maybe this injury pushes them more in that direction um, for Bruce yes. Brown. The one, the one caveat I'd say to my own point is, let's say the Knicks bring in Bruce Brown. And they are able to part with Fournier and a pick or whoever it would be, any point guard. Perhaps they could call up another team with a similarly expiring contract as Malachi Flynn. Flynn's not going to see much time. I mean, he's not seeing any time really here. He's definitely not going to see time if there's another player who's playing the same position. So if you're the Knicks, you could bring in someone like Brogdon or Brown and then still take Flynn's expiring salary. Maybe you go to a place like Detroit and instead of, hey, is Bogdanovich available? You say, look, we know that Gallinari is not going to see time. He's elements where he's cooked. But if he does bias minutes in the way that I talked about earlier that the Knicks might not be interested in, which is, hey, let's just get a live body out there. Even if Gallo is older and he's just the first person who came to mind. I'm not saying it should be him. Will be him. I'm all for bringing Gallo back. Well, give me all, give me all the Gallinari. Nostalgia aside, it's, it's that mindset at least where perhaps it's just shuffling the chairs and not on the Titanic, but just moving them around in a way where it's like, We got the piece we wanted. We traded now from excess at a position for a similar caliber player that we don't expect to see a lot of time, but we have that depth. So let's rock with it. All right. Let's move on. Um, Andrew, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Andrew Black. We were, I was gonna. So I guess I'm not gonna cover. I'm not gonna praise the Knicks because we spent too much time on the Randall thing. Andrew blocked everything out in our in our in our uh, rundown. Uh, I, let's. Can we just say the Knicks have been playing very good ball recently, and um, there's a whole bunch of stats to um, back that up. And they obviously had an undefeated week. Uh, in which they beat the Nets and uh, the Denver Nuggets and and now the Miami Heat. So, you know, I feel badly to put a, a cloud over this episode with with all of this. It just it it felt very it felt very warranted to me because it's. It, I told Andrew before we started recording. I'm like, this is the only thing that I can think about. Like, I I know they've been playing awesome. I know that they're, you know, a game back of the three seed, which is fantastic. It's fucking amazing. And yet, it all comes second for me at the moment. I just I just want to know about the injury. Okay. Um, Game ball given to a player, coach, or entity that stood out this week and deserves special recognition. Um, we uh, we have some candidates here. You ready? You're giving it out first. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle, 66 points, 25 rebounds, 18 assists, 6 for 11 from 3, and 14 or 14 from the line this week. Please be okay. Amen to that. Jalen Brunson, 83 points on 55, 41, 89 slash line this week. I mean, pick a stat. They're all good. I'm just glad he's here. You and me both. OG Ananobi, plus 62 in three games this week, plus 252. My God. Since joining the Knicks, that's just insanity. Precious Achua. First time appearance as a game ball candidate. Congratulations to you, sir. Um, 29 rebounds, including 13 on the offensive glass in 75 minutes over the last three games, uh, two of which did not include Isaiah Hardenstein. And even in the game that didn't include Isaiah, did include Isaiah Hardenstein. Played uh, 31 minutes, did Precious Achua. And then finally, Dante DiVincenzo, 10 of 23 from three this week. 41.9% from three since being inserted into the starting five. Jeremy Cohen, uh, your game ball to give. A lot of fantastic options here. It's hard to go wrong. There's one that I think is noticeably absent, though. It's arguably the unsung hero of the last five games. And that's me. I have propelled the Knicks to a five-game uh, winning streak <laughs> since I appeared on the Jumbotron. And I just think that it's a movement that has inspired millions of people worldwide. And uh, you're welcome is all I want to say. You're welcome. So uh, if I'm not going to be uh, a humble kid, it's perfect. That's just what we needed. Um, congrats, babe. We did it again. Uh, we, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with another option. That's not me. And that would be, I think that was a great option, but I would agree, but I'm going to appear as less vain in this moment and instead just go with Jalen Brunson, who I was going to go with before the bit uh, because I usually go with Jalen Brunson because why wouldn't I? And it's, it's not a shame that there were all these great performances that happened in the NBA this week, especially the offensive side that will lead Jalen Brunson to not get any sort of uh, Eastern conference player of the week love, but it kind of is. And, you know, I just, I run out of words to describe his power and I just I wish we all could appreciate him whether you're uh, a Giants fan like myself Steelers fan like you John a Jets fan like Andrew uh, a Bears fan like Candace Parker a Ravens fan like Sean uh, I'm thinking of other teams that are being represented by uh, general community but 
I just wish we all could appreciate him and remember the good times, both in the present and the recent past and the distant past, like uh, against the Miami Heat team when he obliterated them. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, not not just this past game, but like in the in the second yeah. round of the the series last last playoffs, because that did happen. I just want people to remember that that did happen. It wasn't a mirage, wasn't a dream. He was that good. So he's my pick. He's a great pick. Uh, I'm going to go with OG Ananobi with all the respect to Julius Randle, who obviously my heart goes out to this week. Um, OG Ananobi. So Jalen Brunson changed. Julius Randle changed the Knicks franchise um, with a little bit of an assist from Tom Thibodeau, who kind of got him going right. And Leon Rose, who put the better, better pieces around him than he had in his first season here. But like Randle changed their franchise. Brunson changed their franchise. And now OG Ananobi has changed their franchise again. Um, it is. It has just been a delight to watch this defense for anybody who is as old or around as old or older than I am, who remembers the nineties. Well, there is there like I have not experienced anything like what we've been watching defensively since that time, since the 1990s, where you feel like you are the biggest, baddest guy on the block. And the reason that we feel that way now, I mean, like there are a shit ton of numbers to back this up. Forget all of them. It's just the eye test. That dude is a monster out there. And the fact that we get him on our team um, and we had to give up a lot to get him. I know that. But uh, I just feel really lucky to be able to to root for that guy. So that's that's really cool. Um, Okay. Detention given to a player, coach, or entity that deserves to sit down for a while and think about what they did wrong. It is closed technically since the Knicks went 3-0 this week. However, we would like to give some honorable mention candidates to Jaime Hawkes Jr. Injured a Nick in his first trip to MSG. Perfect fit for the Miami Heat uh, culture and everything they have going on down there in that uh, sinking Set, well, it's not a sinking cesspool. It is a cesspool that is sinking into the larger cesspool of of whatever bay or I don't know part of the ocean that is around Miami. Just sink it all into the into the ocean. Uh, Candace Parker, uh, you can just say you made a mistake next time. Uh, the NBA's All Star voting system, which is rigged, and Jalen Brunson won the election and by a lot. Joel Embiid, my God, man, stop ducking to smoke. And finally, to Nets fans or fan, we aren't putting you there. You're just stuck there now that the city is no longer under new management. That was Those were Andrew's words, not mine. Are we giving these out, Andrew? Or, what, what, or is this just for, for posterity's sake? Posterity's sake. It's a positive week. We all know it's actually Jaime Hawkins Jr. that's in detention. So, For all of eternity. Predictions. We'll finish up strong. Presented by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for the first deposit match up to $100. Um, you know the deal. Just go again, prizepicks.com slash KFS, and then you get your, your free deposit match. Go, go, go the full hundo um, because there's a lot of good betting opportunities on this team and around the NBA and all sports right now. Heck, you got Super Bowl two weeks away. Um, so lots of good stuff there. Again, uh, prizepicks.com slash KFS code KFS for first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. I have really fallen by the wayside giving over myself to this exercise because I keep putting picking low and they keep going high. I, I'm fine if that continues. Jeremy, you're eight and four. I'm four and eight. Here are the four games this week. Monday at Charlotte. Tuesday, Utah 
at home. So it's a back-to-back. Tough tough coming back to the Garden to play a Jazz team that has been scuffling a little bit more of late, but it's still good. Uh, Thursday, we got the Indiana Pacers. Um, Tyrese Halliburton has been out for them for a little while. That's We'll see if he plays in that game, but they've been playing very well regardless of his absence. And then finally, Saturday night, more, more on that in a moment, um, versus the Lakers of Los Angeles. Jeremy, it is to you. This is a tough one. I, sh- I bet it is. On the surface, there's a very clear answer that I've been successful at, which is be an optimist. And it's played into my favor. And I'm still going to try to do that. But there are injury concerns and back-to-backs and fatigue. And you just don't know. So as a result... Like I wanted to say three and one. I really did. But then I look at this and I think LeBron James doesn't have that many trips to MSG left in his career. So I'm sure he will do something. And Obi Toppin could maybe take it personally. And the Jazz are sliding a little bit, but we're good and the exact back. So I'm going to go two and two. And I certainly hope that by leaving the door open, you take a different approach. I was I would have taken three and one anyway, so this works out well. Great. Yeah. Um, I for as much as I just lamented the loss of Julius, and I do think it is going to be a big deal. I think it's going to be a big big deal in the long term. Um, they just rely on him so much. I think in the short term, I think they will rally around each other, and specifically Jalen Brunson. And I think, while in no uncertain terms, like. They need Julius Randle. Julius Randle makes his team better. He makes his team a lot better. Like he's part of the, he is as fundamental to their identity, which is still like you're gonna feel us when you wake up tomorrow morning. Like we're we're gonna beat the shit out of you one way or the other, win or lose. Like Julius is fundamental to that identity. Not having him, like it, it that identity takes a massive hit. All that being said, there are some things, notably on the defensive side of the ball, that they can improve on if Julius is not here. Um, and I hope they do that. Um, and, and again, it's that's a tough ask. It's an unfair ask. This has been the best defense in the league since January 1st. So to be like, hey, guys, you should just get better at the thing that you're, you've been the best at in the entire league for a month. I think they could do it. I think they have it in them. So I'm gonna go three and one, and uh, and we'll see what happens. So there we go. I hope you win. I hope I win too. Um, who knows? Maybe they go four and zero. Uh, all right. Some announcements. Uh, I'll let you take the first one, and I'll take the second. Sure. The first one is that this Wednesday there will be Wednesday evening Eastern Standard Time. Uh, another episode of Cream. It's probably be if not the last, will be the penultimate one of Cream before the trade deadline. So come by. Answer. I'll answer all your questions and make your dreams come true. Second, we have a watch party. We've said this a few times. I'm going to say it again. Um, we are so, 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 so excited about this event. It is next weekend, Saturday, February 3rd. It is a T-squared social, which is at 7 East 42nd Street. It is right down the block from Penn Station. Literally, not Penn Station, uh, Grand Central Station. Get out of Grand Central. You walk a block. And it's right there uh, on 42nd Street. Again, the place is called T-Squared Social. Party starts at 6.30. Free admission. There is no tickets at all for this. Just come on in. 
And if you're one of the first 50 people there, you will get a beer on us. Um, I think it's a free beer presented by Mick Ultra. Um, so get your get your get your free beer. And uh, yeah, then you come hang out with us. You play a little um, duck pin bowling. You could do a little golf simulator if you so so choose. And then obviously stick around for the basketball game uh, between the Knicks and the Lakers, which starts at 830. They also have um, the league pass. So all the basketball games will be up. All the NBA games that night will be up. It's going to be a really fun night. And then after the game's over, I'm going to be doing a little live uh, live uh, post game monologue uh, before for a few minutes, and then I'll get back to uh, joining the party. So it's going to be a whole a whole thing. Come on down, show your face, say hi. Even if you're going to the game, come come before, come after. We'll be there, and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody then. And we got one more thing, which is that we are on track to have a game. Yes, KFS at MSG. Doing another lounge like we've done in the past. This would be March 10th. It's a Sunday against the Philadelphia 76ers. Maybe Joe Embiid will decide he wants to play a team on the road that's above 500. <laughs> Hopefully that's this game. We are still trying to determine... Um, the way that MSG works is we'll have a firmer understanding of an exact price likely on Tuesday. So what we're going to do is we're first going to open up the floor to patrons and newsletter subscribers of KFS to get first dibs. And that'll be a 24-hour window. And then subject to availability, we would be opening that up to the general public. I do want to be transparent in that we, in the past, when we did this last year, it did not reach the general public. But should there be an opportunity, we obviously want to include people as much as we can. And also sign up because maybe there's an opportunity for a second lounge. I don't know. We'll see. Not no promise. Just just flagging it. So if you're interested, the link will will provide information there. You can sign up that way. We're really excited about the opportunity, and we'll have more information to follow this week. I love it. Um, excited for that already. Lots of exciting stuff coming up. Even with this uh, injury thing, like, look, this is still a special next season. It will remain a special next season, and everybody should be excited to take part in it um, uh, in any way you can, whether it's with us or on your own. On that note, thank you, Jeremy Cohen. Uh, thank you, GMAC. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back uh, with more funny games very soon. Obviously, uh, games coming up fast and furious. A lot of games this week. So pre games, post games, the whole thing cream with jeremy and uh the watch party next weekend we will uh see you at any or all of these things i'll talk to you soon peace out Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. 
The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.